Hello guys, thank you and welcome to Haitian Helping Hands Sunday live stream. I'm really excited to be with you guys today. Um, happy belated Thanksgiving and we're looking forward to Christmas now. So even so come Lord Jesus in the spirit of Advent. So my name is Emmanuel Cherry. I'm one of the student um, leaders here as part of the organization um, and I love what we do here. We get to encourage people through church planting, through empowering entrepreneurs, and through creating access to education. And so this is a part of us trying to train and empower and equip um, those of us who are in Haiti and those of us who are on this side of the country to become better leaders so we can impact um, our world for the gospel. So today I'm going to be talking about gratitude. And the bottom line, if you're taking notes today, is gratitude is a blessing. Gratitude is a blessing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is eternal. We thank you, God, that whatever that you want for people to take away from this message, that it will be taken away and that you would grow and deepen people's faith, that you would till the soil of their hearts and that they would become more gracious and have a full heart of gratitude towards you for you deserve it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we get into it, I just wanted to tell you a really quick story. I really shouldn't be here right now. I don't know if you come from a, a black church background, but there's always this time called testimony time where people will get up and share their testimony of what God's done in their lives. And some of the craziest stories you'll ever hear is when someone says, I shouldn't be here right now. That's when you know you're getting a very powerful and unique story about someone's journey from um, corruption to redemption, from being in a state that was really, really intense to a state of being transformed by the gospel. Um, and those moments are beautiful, but in the, in the same vein of that, I want to say the same thing. Like, I shouldn't be here right now. When I was in middle school, I had a regular old day in elementary school. I was going to class. I was doing math class, doing reading class, and then we had a recess time. And while we were doing recess, I was playing. Someone threw a rock at my head, and everything went black. After a couple of moments, I woke up. My head was foggy. I was seeing in black and white. I didn't really have my equilibrium, so my friends kind of picked me up and led me to the nurse. And the nurse was appalled she immediately called the emergency room called my parents and said that i was i should be rushed over there this was not something that the school could handle um so at that point things seemed pretty serious right um, i did get patched up at the hospital and it took me a couple of days to recover but then i went back to school um, why do i tell you that story i tell you that story because if it wasn't for the lord that situation could have ended up very differently right head injuries are a serious deal it could have prevented my cognitive function, my speech, my motor skills could have been impacted, um, my comprehension skills could have been impacted by that, I wouldn't have had the ability or the blessing to be able to enjoy learning in the way that I have throughout my life if things had gone differently. And so I'm really thankful to be breathing. I'm blessed to be breathing today. Somebody put in the chat, I'm blessed to be breathing. All right, now let's get into the word of the Lord today. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 to 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. And as you go there, I'm just going to give you a little context of what we're going to be reading. So this is a letter specifically to the church of Colossae. It was a city that was located where modern day Turkey is now. It was a city with strong cultural practices and a melting pot of religious ideas. And it had a uh, very specific perspective on life. And there was a melding of praising gods and other idols and all these things. 
So when Paul gets to Colossae, he actually didn't church plant this church. He was writing from prison to this church community. Epaphras, who was actually the church leader, went to visit Paul in prison to fill him in on how the church was doing and to get some advice on how to encourage the believers on how they could become more like Jesus in a city that had a strong influence. So we always want to remind you that an epistle is a letter that was written by an apostle, someone who saw Jesus and was directed to lead the church. And Paul wrote this epistle to encourage the Colossians to live like Jesus and resist the influence of the culture around them. So now let's read the passage together. Colossians 3 verses 15 through 17. And it says, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so like I said before, if you're taking notes, gratitude is a blessing. And I just wanted to define gratitude for us so that we were all thinking about gratitude in the same way. And the definition for gratitude in this teaching is gratitude is seeing and responding to the tangible and intangible gifts of God. Gratitude is seeing and responding to the tangible and intangible gifts of God. Point number one, gratitude is a practice. In verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts. Now let's take out that phrase, rule your hearts. It's a, it's a phrase of being overcome with. And one of the ways you can see that actually in the Old Testament is through the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath was something that the Lord had encouraged the people of Israel to do to create space to enjoy God and his good gifts. It was a practice that God gave the Israelites to build into their lives a rhythm of rest, to not let the work rule over them, but to rule over their work with rest. Another example of practicing rest, having something in your life that is rhythmic, that allows you to see God in your everyday, is communion. Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and being grateful for it. It's a practice that Jesus gave the church to build in a, a rhythm of remembrance and gratitude. Every time we take the cup, we remember Christ's blood poured out for us. Every time we take the bread, we remember the body of Christ that was crushed for us. My mom and my dad gave me an example of a practice of gratitude because they would wake up every morning and they would say in Creole, Beni Tenel, Beni Tenel, Merci Seigneur. They would say, Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me another day of life. And they would do this every single day. So I grew up seeing this example of a practice of gratitude, of gratitude ruling over their hearts. And this was beautiful because this wasn't just something that they did when things were going well. This is something they did especially when things were not going well. When we had to, to sleep in our living room and put blankets over each other because we couldn't pay for our light bill, we couldn't pay for our uh, heat in our house. Or we had Christmases where we didn't have presents. Even when things were tough, my parents still decided to practice gratitude because God was worth it. Somebody put in the chat, even when. Even when things are tough, God still deserves our gratitude because there's so much to be thankful for. In Habakkuk 3.17-19, to 19, 
this prophet from the Old Testament who was sent to the people to remind them to follow the ways of God says this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the oil crop fails and the fields produce no food, even though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, it says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my savior. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my savior. So Habakkuk was telling us something that was pretty remarkable. He was saying the things that could produce for me, the things that I could produce for myself, when those things fail, I don't lose heart because I know that God is the ultimate provider. And I'm grateful for the things he's already given me. And I know he's faithful to do that again. So I'm going to be grateful even though the position or the place or the timing, the situation doesn't call for gratitude. I'm still going to be grateful. And I'm going to be joyful because I know God is always going to be there to provide for me. I was doing some reading this week and found an article about gratitude. And it was beautiful. It's by two psychologists. And they ran out an experiment to see the effects of gratitude on an individual. They wanted to find out how they could better help clients derive the greatest possible benefit from treatment in the shortest amount of time. So what we're basically saying is they know that counseling takes a long time. And they wanted to find practices that would help people over time that didn't take as long as the counseling process. And so this is what they said. In our research, we have zeroed in on one such activity, the practice of gratitude. So with any study, you have your control group and then you have your other groups to help compare data. So there is a group that went through counseling. There's a group that wrote about their negative experiences. And then there was one group that was in counseling as well as writing a gratitude letter. And this is what they found. This is straight from the article. It says, compared with the participants who wrote about negative experiences or only received counseling, those who wrote gratitude letters reported significantly better mental health four weeks and 12 weeks after writing their exercise and the exercise ended. This suggests that gratitude writing can be beneficial not just for healthy, well-adjusted individuals, but also for those who struggle with mental health concerns. In fact, it seems that practicing gratitude on top of receiving psychological counseling carries greater benefits than just counseling alone. Even that gratitude practice when it's brief. These results are encouraging because many other studies suggest that the mental health benefits of positive activities often decrease rather than increase over time. We don't really know why this positive snowball effect occurred in our study. So what they were saying here is that when they combined gratitude with what they were already doing, it had a lasting effect on their lives. And how many people know that when you actually tap into the way of life that God has for us, we don't always can determine why things work the way they do, right? Regular people can't say, hey, like you're in a tough situation. Why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? It's because you have the Holy Spirit in you reminding you and compelling you to be grateful in a situation that doesn't call for it. And this study says that it will significantly better your mental health four weeks to 12 weeks after whatever situation you're in. So that's almost two months, three months even, of a positive effect on your life because you're being obedient to be grateful. Gratitude is good for the soul. So our first point was gratitude is a practice. Our second point is that gratitude is a perspective. And we'll look at verse 17. 
It says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's focus on that phrase that says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when we see that word, do everything, it means to do something on behalf of. So think about it this way. If your boss told you to go out and like buy something for the company, right? Say you're having like a, uh, a celebration of someone's birthday or someone's um, who has been really successful in the company and they say, hey, I want you to go out and buy this thing. And they give you their credit card. When you go and you pay for the stuff, it's not necessarily that you paid for it, but it's that that person who gave it to you, let's just call him John. John gave you that card and what, it will, what will show up on the receipt is not that you paid for it, but John did. And so John sent you as an ambassador, as a representation of himself to do the work. So when we look at ourselves as believers, we have to actually understand that we are ambassadors to other people in the gospel. And so when we look at life, we have to look at life through the perspective and through the lens of hope. And one way I get to do this and one practice that has helped me do this is the practice of examine. Examine helps you to walk through your day and see God in it. And it has five components. The first is gratitude. This whole day is a gift from God. How is he looking upon you now? Has he loved you? How has he graced you? The second component is petition. Ask the Lord for the grace to see clearly the spiritual realities of the day. The third component is review. Recall your thoughts and feelings and desires of the day. See which ones are from the Lord and which ones are from the enemy. Then review responses to each. The fourth is forgiveness. Ask the Lord for forgiveness for the places in your life where you weren't like Christ. And fifth is renewal. Thank God and pray for God to meet you in your next day. So when you have this lens of hope, you can see that God is working in every situation in your life. It's giving you the clarity of mind and the clarity of perspective to see that it's not just you going through this thing. It's God going through this thing with you. And that creates gratitude. So gratitude is practice. Gratitude is perspective. And lastly, gratitude begins and becomes praise. Let's look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Have you ever helped somebody else and they were like super appreciative of the help that you gave them that they actually started to tell other people like, yo, this is my boy, Manny, like he helped me out with this thing. He's one of the, he's one of the good ones, Manny, like we're, we're in this for life. They go around telling other people of the things that they've done. They're so grateful that it turns from gratitude to proclamation. That's the essence of worship. We don't come into our houses of worship, into our homes and praise because there are songs that we like or because we have words on the screen. We're not doing Christian karaoke. What we are doing is we're acknowledging and we're speaking to the, the glory and the honor and the truth of who God is from a place of gratitude so that when we worship, it's not about who we sing. It's not about how we sing. It's about who we sing about. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about the production. It's about the power of Jesus Christ. It's not about how powerfully we sing. And so when we come into this room, we actually start to think about it in the context of other individuals. You'll pass over it if you just think of this verse as applying to yourselves. But it says, let the word of Christ draw richly among you. Among you, among the group. So when you come to worship, your gratitude can spill over 
into empowering somebody else to be grateful and to worship. Think of it this way. When you come into a Sunday morning and you're kind of down, you're like, man, like this week was tough. But then you see Johnny over there worshiping and you see Mary over there worshiping. Doesn't it start to stir something up in you? Where you're like, you know what? Yeah, God is good. God is somebody who's worthy to be praised. And it starts to build and stir your faith. So when we come together, we actually can spur each other on in community to become more gracious. This is an example from the life of David. In Psalm 30, verses 1 through 4, it says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called for you for your help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. So praise becomes a joy, not a chore. It becomes a desire, not a detour. When we come to worship, we realize that it's more than just words on a screen. It's a divine opportunity to be grateful together for the gift of Jesus Christ. And that means we can be free to worship. Gratitude creates a contagious response within community. So there's just two things I have to ask from you today. I have an invitation to practice and an invitation to Jesus. First of all, our invitation to practice. Number one, write a gratitude letter this week to someone in your life. The study said that um, it doesn't matter if you would actually give this letter to somebody. The simple fact of sitting down and writing it on paper, writing to someone on paper, whether that's God, your mother, your friend, your sister, your cousin, writing that you're grateful to them will actually impact your life. And remember, it'll impact your life three months from now. And number two, take 10 minutes out of your week to worship. You can find a playlist of worship music. You can put together a playlist of worship music. But just be intentional this week to spend 10 minutes worshiping God. That might be the start of breakthrough in your life. If you can spend 10 minutes being thankful to God for who he is and what he has done in your life. If you've never met Jesus, I just want to tell you this story. I've been living um, with a couple of people from my host family at, at our church. They've been very kind. And I've actually been kind of like a house mouse, like just moving around and making sure I'm not seen. And so what ended up happening was uh, my, my foster, my house, my housemates and my host family, they came to me and they're like, hey, you don't have to pretend to be a squatter in this house. You're part of the family. You, you have full access to the relationship that we want to provide for you. You have full access to the things that are available to you in this house. And I think there's some of you today who are thinking like I used to think. Like I had to walk on eggshells. Like I didn't have what it would, would take for that person to fully accept me into their home. And Jesus is saying, come, come into the home that I have for you. You can be a full citizen. You can be a full participant in the home that I'm building for you. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 to 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because this is the story of the gospel. There was God's design. He created everything in the world. And we lived in perfect harmony. But then we decided to go outside of God's way and go our own way. And that was called sin. And when you sin, you actually end up in a place of brokenness where you try to fill the relationship that you had with God with other things. You try to gain money. You try to gain notoriety. You try to gain value and, and prosperity to try to fill that hole that only God can fill. Mm -hmm. And when you end up in that place, it can actually lead to death, which is separation from God forever. But God had a plan. He saw us where we were, and he sent Jesus 
to die on the cross. He was buried and he rose again on the third day so that he could restore relationship between us and God. And when we repent and believe, repent just means to turn away from our way. When we turn from our way and go God's way, we can actually be restored to the life that God has for us. And we can enter God's design and encounter and experience the abundance of life that God has for us. We can actually become a full participant of what God wants for us in this life. So if you need prayer and you accepted Jesus Christ, you can put that in the chat right now and we'll be happy to contact you and try to connect you with the local church. Um, if you are a longtime standing member of this ministry, please join us in prayer as we close out our teaching time. Lord Jesus, we thank you that everything is yours. We thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you for the ability to move. We thank you for the ability to have community. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came to this world, who lived the perfect life, who died in our place, who died the death that we should have, so that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, encounter those who know that this is their moment of salvation. Let it be easy for them, where their hearts are beating fast and they're and they're ready to receive you, Lord. We ask that you would meet them there right now in the name of Jesus, that they would become a part of your family and that they would help other people become a part of your family as well. Jesus, we thank you for this time. Bless it and bless the rest of our week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Hello, guys. Thank you and welcome to Haitian Helping Hands Sunday live stream. I'm really excited to be with you guys today. Um, Happy belated Thanksgiving, and we're looking forward to Christmas now. So even so, come Lord Jesus in the spirit of Advent. So my name is Emmanuel Cherry. I'm one of the student um, leaders here as part of the organization, um, and I love what we do here. We get to encourage people through church planting, through empowering entrepreneurs, and through creating access to education. And so this is a part of us trying to train and empower and equip um, those of us who are in Haiti and those of us who are on this side of the country to become better leaders so we can impact um, our world for the gospel. So today I'm going to be talking about gratitude. And the bottom line, if you're taking notes today, is gratitude is a blessing. Gratitude is a blessing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is eternal. We thank you, God, that whatever that you want for people to take away from this message, that it will be taken away and that you would grow and deepen people's faith, that you would till the soil of their hearts and that they would become more gracious and have a full heart of gratitude towards you, for you deserve it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we get into it, I just wanted to tell you a really quick story. I really shouldn't be here right now. I don't know if you come from a... A black church background but there's always this time called testimony time where people will get up and share their testimony of what God's done in their lives and some of the craziest stories you'll ever hear is when someone says I shouldn't be here right now that's when you know you're getting a very powerful and unique story about someone's journey from um, corruption to redemption from being in a state that was really really intense to a state of being transformed by the gospel um, and those moments are beautiful, but in the, in the same vein of that, I want to say the same thing. Like, I shouldn't be here right now. When I was in middle school, I had a regular old day in elementary school. I was going to class, I was doing math class, doing reading class, and then we had a recess time. And while we were doing recess, I was playing, someone threw a rock at my head, and everything went black. After a couple of moments, I woke up, my head was foggy, I was seeing in black and white, I didn't really have my equilibrium, so my friends kind of picked me up and led me to the nurse. And the nurse 
was appalled. She immediately called the emergency room, called my parents, and said that I, was sh I should be rushed over there. This was not something that the school could handle. Um, so at that point, things seemed pretty serious, right? Um, I did get patched up at the hospital, and it took me a couple of days to recover, but then I went back to school. Um, why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because if it wasn't for the Lord, that situation could have ended up very differently, right? Head injuries are a serious deal. It could have prevented my cognitive function, my speech, my motor skills could have been impacted. Um, my comprehension skills could have been impacted by that. I wouldn't have had the ability or the blessing to be able to enjoy learning in the way that I have throughout my life if things had gone differently. And so I'm really thankful to be breathing. I'm blessed to be breathing today. Somebody put in the chat, I'm blessed to be breathing. All right, now let's get into the word of the Lord today. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. And as you go there, I'm just going to give you a little context of what we're going to be reading. So this is a letter specifically to the church of Colossae. It was a city that was located where modern-day Turkey is now. It was a city with strong cultural practices and a melting pot of religious ideas. And it had a uh, very specific perspective on life. And there was a melding of praising gods and other idols and all these things. So when Paul gets to Colossae, he actually didn't church plant this church. He was writing from prison to this church community. Epaphras, who was actually the church leader, went to visit Paul in prison to fill him in on how the church was doing and to get some advice on how to encourage the believers on how they could become more like Jesus in a city that had a strong influence. So we always want to remind you that an epistle is a letter that was written by an apostle, someone who saw Jesus and was directed to lead the church. And Paul wrote this epistle to encourage the Colossians to live like Jesus and resist the influence of the culture around them. So now let's read the passage together. Colossians 3 verses 15 through 17. And it says, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So, like I said before, if you're taking notes, gratitude is a blessing. And I just wanted to define gratitude for us so that we're all thinking about gratitude in the same way. And the definition for gratitude in this teaching is gratitude is seeing and responding to the tangible and intangible gifts of God. Gratitude is seeing and responding to the tangible and intangible gifts of God. Point number one, gratitude is a practice. In verse 15, it says, let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts. Now let's take out that phrase, rule your hearts. It's a, it's a phrase of being overcome with. And one of the ways you can see that actually in the Old Testament is through the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath was something that the Lord had encouraged the people of Israel to do to create space to enjoy God and his good gifts. It was a practice that God gave the Israelites to build into their lives a rhythm of rest, to not let the work rule over them, but to rule over their work with rest. 
another example of practicing rest, having something in your life that is rhythmic, that allows you to see God in your everyday, is communion. Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and being grateful for it. It's a practice that Jesus gave the church to build in a, a rhythm of remembrance and gratitude. Every time we take the cup, we remember Christ's blood poured out for us. Every time we take the bread, we remember the body of Christ that was crushed for us. My mom and my dad gave me an example of a practice of gratitude because they would wake up every morning and they would say in Creole, Beni soit l'Eternel, Beni soit l'Eternel, merci Seigneur. They would say, praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me another day of life. And they would do this every single day. So I grew up seeing this example of a practice of gratitude, of gratitude ruling over their hearts. And this was beautiful because this wasn't just something that they did when things were going well. This is something they did especially when things were not going well. When we had to, to sleep in our living room and put blankets over each other because we couldn't pay for our light bill, we couldn't pay for our uh, heat in our house, or we had Christmases where we didn't have presents. Even when things were tough, my parents still decided to practice gratitude because God was worth it. Somebody put in the chat, even when, even when things are tough, God still deserves our gratitude because there's so much to be thankful for. In Habakkuk 3.17-19, to 19, this prophet from the Old Testament who was sent to the people to remind them to follow the ways of God says this, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the oil crop fails and the fields produce no food, even though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, it says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my Savior. So Habakkuk was telling us something that was pretty remarkable. He was saying the things that could produce for me, the things that I could produce for myself, when those things fail, I don't lose heart because I know that God is the ultimate provider. And I'm grateful for the things he's already given me, and I know he's faithful to do that again. So I'm going to be grateful even though the position or the place or the timing of the situation doesn't call for gratitude. I'm still going to be grateful and I'm going to be joyful because I know God is always going to be there to provide for me. I was doing some reading this week and found an article about gratitude and it was beautiful. It's by two psychologists and they ran out an experiment to see the effects of gratitude on an individual. Merci, bon Dieu, des enfants, merci pour le pasteur chéri, merci pour Madame Dumaine à recevoir, merci pour toi H, pour remercier et que pasteur chéri, toi H, Madame nous n'avons pas besoin mais local, regardez c'est pas moi même qui fais mal, c'est au même qui fait ces cités, au même qui fait en quoi au balé là, il y a balé, il y a ramassé, il y a Merci bon Dieu, des enfants, au travail, merci pour Madame Dumaine, à recevoir, merci pour tout le qui devine prier avec la grâce, et puis décider. Merci bon Dieu, des enfants au travail à Timango, merci pour Madame Dumaine à habitué recevoir, merci pour toi à un programme et que 
Merci et puis nous avons Non, ce n'est pas PMB, nous sommes moins que faire un cadeau ça. C'est un, depuis c'est pour bon Dieu, pour travailler, on va devoir tant pour payer. Oh, c'est un petit monde. Un petit grand monde, nous avons besoin de vous faire ça. Mais il y a un petit monde, on est.